Hi there, Danny Flex and welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Reflections. We're here every Monday, 4.30pm. In the past, to concentrate on the boxing that's just taken place at the weekend, but it's been a long time, or it feels like even longer since we've had any live boxing to comment on. Um, so it tends to be whatever pops into my head when I film it, um, which may or may not meet your approval, but you know, beggars can't be choosers, unfortunately, um, and while all this is going on. Um, we don't know how long it's going to be before we've got any live boxing to talk about. So what I'm going to talk about today instead is um, just a bit of a what I've learned from the interviews I've done over the past couple of weeks, which have been either through Skype, um, Facebook video or audio um, over the phone and then translated into video for the purposes of the, of the Seconds Out YouTube channel. And there's three key kind of topics that keep coming up and the first is training and how difficult it is now for boxers who really need that routine in their lives. They train two, maybe three times a day, most of them, and how difficult it is now for them to adapt to not being able to go to the gym with all the gyms being closed. And not only that, not being able to mix with your gym mates and your trainer, I think that's incredibly important. I mean, they're all still in touch on the phone and group chats and so on. But I think a lot of them, I've spoken to people from Tony Sims's gym and other gyms, uh, Adam Booth's gym, and they're all finding it quite difficult not being able to see their mates and their trainer on a daily basis. And you get used to it and you enjoy it. It's kind of a feel for them in a way. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm well aware of the wider or the bigger picture here. And, and that's something that's come through strongly from all the interviews I've done is that the boxers and the people in the boxing industry are well aware of their kind of small part in the wider conversation about a, a global pandemic that's tragically seeing a huge loss of life and a lot of boxers and people in the industry have indeed been touched by that themselves. I know Anthony Yard, we've seen on social media, it's been put out, he's lost two close family members now to coronavirus. And I think there's other boxers and, and trainers and stuff I've spoken to. Craig Richards actually had coronavirus and thankfully recovered from it. So he's um, talked about that in an interview we put out on Seconds Out today. But getting back to the topic, they are struggling away from the gym. Some of them have got really good environments at home. I know um, Mike Ward, um, his brother's got a, a nice little setup that they call the Home of Champions where they've got bags and they can do pads together and stuff like that. I don't know if there's boxers out there who've been teaching their wives or significant others to hold the mitts properly, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, it's just very difficult now. and Unless you've got that sort of setup, a big garden or a garage or a huge spare room, it's a tough adaptation. I think a lot of them are using their environment, which I highly recommend, you know, as long as keep your social distance, of course, and boxers more as much as anyone don't want to catch it because it could mean not just you know potential um, hospitalization and so on but also four weeks out of your career or a fight camp when boxing does resume um but yeah use your environment we spoke to um hamza shiraz who was uh using his local park to do kind of pull-ups on trees and various types of groundwork most people most boxers are still going for their runs where they can out and about getting that fresh air and just from a, a kind of mindset, a mental um, health perspective, it's really important to keep doing that for everyone, not just athletes. So there's the training side of it, and then there's the nutrition and dieting side, which must be incredibly problematic for boxers right now. You know, they, they've been rid of the temptation of going out with their mates, all the restaurants are closed, the pubs are closed, no one's going out. So that part of it, brilliant. But the flip side is they're used to training, as I say, two, three times a day, some of them work as well, either part-time or full-time. And now they're stuck at home. They might not see it stuck at home. That sounds really harsh. They're getting to spend some quality time at home with their family. 
but that routine has been taken away from them and some of the time they will be bored there's no set date when this is all going to end so they might be a bit fearful stressed a little bit depressed for some of them perhaps as well and these are all triggers for for eating comfort eating overeating i should know right but i'm not a boxer so it's kind of all right for me to, to kind of eat through the house but not so much for them and they're going to give themselves if they do do that they're going to give themselves a mountain to climb when boxing does come back and they might not be ready for those shows which i expect when it does return to come thick and fast there'll be a bit of a bottleneck mick condon's out there baking cakes every day apparently not eating much of them so that's good um but yeah baking cakes every day so he's at least channeled his energies into something worthwhile which is really nice to see but i'm sure the, the kind of diet inside must be really tough and then the third aspect and, and possibly the most important for boxers at the moment again never losing sight of the bigger picture here boxers don't get paid unless they fight so they have to you know push it pull out for training expenses the right nutrition a lot of them use kind of meal prep companies and that kind of thing um license medical um costs to the board of control various things that they have to pay for and a lot of them would have had fights either cancelled or they would have expected to fight by now and they can't until boxing resumes and that's going to be the tough part especially for boxers at the lower end of the spectrum the higher up you go there might be promoters managers who help take care of you you've probably got sponsors as well who you know they still pay you either a monthly fee or you know payment in kind in terms of either a car and meal prep sometimes that kind of thing and they might just about be all right they might have some savings from having big fights in the past as well so they're they're set boxers at the lower end of the spectrum kind of fighting from paycheck to paycheck especially ones who normally work at the same time and can't at the moment it's going to be really really tough for them especially with no end in sight which means it's very hard to do financial planning as well um so it's kind of hard to draw many positives from the current situation they're kind of three things that i've outlined that are all got elements of negativity unfortunately but if i had to pluck out positive from speaking to boxers and people in, in boxing over the last couple of weeks it's just how magnanimous and selfless they are so a lot of them have donated money or supplies to the nhs um, a lot of them are doing workouts on social media to share with people while they're at home and they can't get out and do exercise they're helping other people to exercise and they're just generally from the interviews being really positive about when it's coming back praising the nhs and, and other services um talking about the bigger picture and kind of condolences people they've lost but telling people to stay inside using their platform for good and sharing the right messages and all of that just paints boxing in a really good light it makes me proud to play a small peripheral role in the sport you know i don't i can't speak for other sports but boxing has come out of this pretty well compared to anyone else i think you know boxers are they've got every reason to be down at the moment um more so than other elements of society in terms of the finances and the, the inability to train which is something they've done pretty much every day for most of their lives in some cases but they're not at least on the surface letting it get them down and they're using their platform and the extra time they've got on their hands in a lot of cases to spread positive messages and to keep people occupied while all this is going on so credits all of them and um i'll have to think of something to talk about for thursday for flex expectations 4 30 p.m and reflections next monday at 4 30 p.m and I'm sure I will. I haven't struggled yet. It's only two weeks in and I haven't quite started going crazy yet either. But stay tuned. It could happen on camera. Really appreciate your time. Comment below on what I've just talked about and I'll respond to some of them. Really appreciate it. See you soon. Cheers.
Hello. Good afternoon, Andy. How are you? How are you, Craig? How are you doing? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Thank you for the time. No problem at all. Well, first of all, just I uh, just wanted to ask how things are for you in this in this crazy time. Um, I'm actually enjoying well, enjoying it. You get a bit like you do want to get out, don't you? Now? But in Ireland, we've been it's a uh, six day now. Us like I found just being well, it's not lockdown, but it's basically self isolation, staying at home, and social distancing and all this stuff. So like we're going out every day to the park, not the playgrounds, but like the park and run around and doing a bit of running, a bit of weights. Mm. But that's about it, really. And is that and going to the shop, picking up a few bits of buzz? That's it. What's well, like it? Was well, uh, you're in England, yeah, or Scotland? Uh, I'm in Glasgow, mate. Yeah, Scotland. So Glasgow, we... yeah. So what's it like up there? We're um we we're not really locked down as such. I think it's only if you have symptoms you have to be self isolating. Yeah. So so I've been at work as normal, which is great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's all right, but it's it's a little bit stir crazy at times. I think hopefully it passes soon. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere soon. I think it's going to be at least another month of it anyway. Yeah, some 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 sort of. I don't know, I think England's going to be a lot worse. I think at least we're taking some steps, but I don't know. You guys have let it grow. I don't know. Why we had the control? We got in there early and just, I don't know. I know. We've had like, there's only 500 case confirmed cases of it on the island of Ireland, North included. Right. Okay. Three deaths. Three deaths, so it's not too bad. Yeah, so it's not too bad. Is it, um, is it having an impact with the boys in the gym? Are they... Yeah, well, there's no training. We're not training at the moment because. It's just uh, too risky because you're going to be bringing it around your family and stuff like that, and you don't know. So just not been training. This well, not this week. Paddy was in New York, meant to fight. Um, obviously that got cancelled. I was meant to go over on Sunday, but uh, that didn't happen. Obviously, so it just blew it up in the air. Everyone's just staying home for the moment. Yeah, that's all we can do. That's all we can do, I guess. Yeah. Um, so just wanted to obviously have a chat. I know Rob, Rob and Ryan were over with you in Ireland last week or the week before, I believe, uh, yeah. doing a few bits, which was great. In terms of the stable just now, so Andy Lee has very much become uh, a trainer of boxers now where you decided to dip your toe in the water previously. How, how has it been having more than just Paddy? Obviously, you've got Jay over with you now as well. How are you finding that? Um, well, I just... It's probably enough... For the moment, anyway, because obviously I have a young daughter and another kid on the way. Um, so my wife's not really a stay-at-home wife, no mother or that. She's uh, she has a career herself, so we manage it and it's manageable now. So with the two fighters, I think it's enough. So we train most weekdays. We train like Monday to Friday, sometimes Tuesday to Friday, but sometimes Monday to Friday um, in the mornings. And then I pick my daughter up from crash, and we ma- we manage. But it's yeah, it's it's good having the two lads. They're good lads. They're trained. They're dedicated. They're focused, and it's it's not like you know, they, they do everything I ask them. So it's not there's no way to struggle with that. Yeah, that's great. And in terms of obviously just looking back a little bit further, so you your career as a fighter was obviously you know illustrious. You you accomplished. Capturing world titles, being involved in some excellent fights. How how did it feel for you stepping away from that and and that gap in between? What what was that like for you? Um, I think I, I was just burnt out from it by the time, like after the Saunders fight. I think I'd had enough of it and needed some time away. Um, 
And what I'm not sure if a lot of people realise this, but I fought the Saunders fight with a detached retina. Oh. Um, I didn't see because the fight was cancelled and rescheduled three times. Mm. My my medicals, my eye examination was still in date. Um, but even but I think it was, I can remember when it happened in the gym. I kind of got a bad, but I didn't take any notice. But it didn't affect me or stop me from sparring or anything. Um, but I noticed when I would run it during the night. Uh, when I was running at night, and if I just I noticed it when I like look to my right, I'll get like a flash a flash of light into my peripheral vision, and I just didn't want to didn't want to flag it up because I knew the fight had been cancelled and rescheduled three times, and to do it again, like would just been a bit of disaster. You know what I mean? People buying tickets, buying flights, booking hotels, and so I didn't say nothing about it. Fought the fight, didn't think nothing. I got home and my wife said, I told my wife, she said, you better go get that long job, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was no big deal. I didn't even think it was a, an issue. Went to the doctors, here at local GP, said, you probably just got a floater. I'll send you up now to my friend, who's, a, who's an eye specialist. And he looked at it the same day, said, yeah, you've got a, you've got a detachment uh, in your retina. You're lucky because we just had a cancellation and I can do the, do, do the surgery right now. So within like 12 20 minutes I was in, <laughs> getting put under anaesthetic and getting get my eye, eye reattached, <laughs> my retina reattached. So uh, that was crazy. But um, I'm not sure if it affected my the fight or the performance, but it was just kind of like the final nail in the coffin that I thought like, oh, I just need a break from this game after all those cancellations and messing around and having to fight in Manchester when it was supposed to be Limerick, mm. um, the homecoming and all this and that. And so... Uh, even though I wanted, I was kind of forced to take time off because my eye was healing. Um, yeah, and then when I came back, I thought I'd have one more. I kept myself available like towards the end of uh, 2015, and then I had was it? That was my. I think my last fight was 16. Yeah, so I had the last fight in 2016. Was 16 or 17? 17, I think. Was it March? Yeah, 17. Yeah, 17. Yeah. yeah. So in 2016, I kept myself active. Then 17, I had my last fight, and. I thought if a big fight would have came, I would have took it, or like money that you couldn't turn down, I would have took it. But it was nice to go out and get finished on a win in Manor Square Garden on St Patrick's Day. Um, and then my like, not long after that, my first daughter was born, and then I kind of had more like you know I knew that I kind of knew that that not that the fight was like the fight was gone out of me in a way that I knew that there was time just to. Uh, there were other things in life that were taking priority, you know. The mm. boxing was becoming less and less of a, less and less the main, oh, the main focus. Or like, it's always has been the main. Like, you know, from that year in between the Saunders fight and the Leverwood fight, um, I got to like do the things that I could never do because I was in a trainer, always training or preparing for a fight. I never know when the next fight's coming, so you have to stay ready. Um, but like going to the pub and have, you know, going on a few holidays and things like that. So. I kind of got away from it, you know, a little bit. And then um, the hunger goes out of you. And obviously, yeah, the things that you, like, when something leaves you, something else fills, fills the gap in my daughter. And uh, so that was it. Like, and I, I, to be honest, I don't miss boxing. I, would, I don't think I'll let, I know, I know I'm never going to fight again. Mm. But even as soon as I made the decision to retire, like, after about a week, I said, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty much happy now and resolved to never fight again. Which is it's quite interesting that because I was talking to Enzo Macrinelli only last night after he, you know, he was saying he wanted to come back and have that fiftieth fight, 
Why, what do you attribute that to? Do you think just the journey that you went on resigned you to knowing that you'd had enough, or...? I think I'm yeah, just fulfillment. What am I like? I really, like what am I gonna fight for? Less like unless someone comes along and says, "Andy, we're giving you four million dollars or whatever," like stupid money that you could say, "Well, look, I, it's worth it." But otherwise, you're just chasing stuff, and that's not really there anymore because I've won a world title. Um, I'm not like a multi-millionaire, but I did enough, did all right to set myself up, you know, mm. uh, financially, and. What what's 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 it, what else is there to do? Like I'm I was well, I'm 35 now. What was I then at the time when I retired? 33. Still young enough to fight, but like only getting only getting older. Younger, stronger, hungrier fighters coming up. And what's it to hang around for? Like you might want to have a fight, you might want to chase something, but you'd always regret it if you got beat by somebody who, at your best, would never lay a glove on you. Know? Yeah. So, now I just look. It was time for me to go. And I, I'm quite, like I said, I'm content with what I what I did in the ring, the career I had, traveled the world, lived and trained with, you know, with the best trainers that you could possibly ask for. So you couldn't get a better career, you know? For mm-hmm. me, anyway, like, not just a career, but a, it was a journey, you know, it was a career. It wasn't like, it wasn't, uh, it was an education, you know, a, life, a life, lifetime, you know, so it was good. Yeah, definitely. And you, you touched on, obviously, Training in that Kronk gym and and training alongside Emmanuel Stewart, you're, you're quite similar in that respect to Wayne McCulloch. Obviously, was plucked from Northern Ireland and, and landed with Eddie Futch, another legendary trainer. What what was that experience like? So you know, a guy a guy from a guy from Ireland landing in the Kronk gym in Detroit. That must have been quite overwhelming and disorientating at the beginning. No, I wouldn't describe it as it either. That it was just like uh, that. I was very enthusiastic. It was a dream come true, you know. It was uh, yeah, like you said, it was a chance of a lifetime from like being from like County Limerick, you know, rural Ireland, Castle mm-hmm. County Limerick, and being asked to go to Detroit and train in the Crown Gym with Emmanuel Stewart, you know, and well, well, like you'd be like, it was, you know, you're not going to get those chances again, you know, so. Even though it took time for it to, to, to materialise, I knew it was the right thing to do, uh, the, the right chance to take. And uh, I don't know, like I hear about young fighters now saying, oh, they miss being away from home and camp is hard and all this and that. I absolutely loved it. I was in Detroit, I was living with Emmanuel Stewart, you know, and I was rubbing shoulders and, on a daily basis with guys who I'd only grew up reading about, like, you know, watching on video. So, I like, I never, I, like, Obviously, there were days when you missed home, but it wasn't an overriding thing. Mm. You, just, you know what I mean? I was living my dream, really. So, no, it was a, it was an unbelievable experience. And to be like straight away, I was in camp with Klitschko, Jermaine Taylor, and trained regularly with Cam, like Cameron Sintron was my training partner. And, mm. You know, you're traveling all over the world with Emmanuel Stewart, and you know all the HBO fights. I was ringside and he, while he was commentating, and me and all the guys who would have been. You know, popular at that time, Brera, Pacquiao, uh, Hopkins, De La Hoya, Roy Jones, who was my favorite fighter. And those, you know, those type of things. It's, it's uh, like, what, what more, what, a young, as a young man, was, was living my dream, you know? Yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely. Um, Andy, you, you obviously, you had a lot of 
tough fights. You know, you you fought a lot of the top guys. You fought a guy who I kind of know a little bit from here, uh, who was also a tough fighter, Craig McEwen, uh, and stopped him in the last round. And what was an exciting fight? What what was that fight like for you? What can you remember about that? Yeah, it was it was it was a very hard fight. Um, I started off well, and I thought I was just going to go ahead and, and continue. You know. But he came back into it very strongly and boxed and picked himself up and um, really boxed well throughout the middle of the fight. And I, to, like, I was on the way to losing the fight unless I kind of dragged myself out, like pulled myself out of it because um, the preparation wasn't good. For me, like, wasn't ideal for me. I had a cut in sparring and pretty much didn't do any sparring. But forget all that. You turn up in whatever condition you're in. Mm. But. Um, yeah, I, I, not that I just thought I was going to bad beat him, and as, as an amateur, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to do it again. And then he had obviously had different ideas and really turned it on in the middle of the rounds. And uh, yeah, I, I, I knew everything was on the line at that stage because I had lost previously to Brian Vera. This is my second chance on TV. Like I'd lost that was a was um, my t- TV debut in America, in America. Then the second ch- chance I get was with McEwen like three and a half, four years later, and I'm blowing it again. And all of that was going through my mind during the fight, that, you know, contracts, then potential fights, things that were agreed or hinted at, all of those things were going out the window. And also, my own self losing to another man, which you never want to do. Um, and all of those things were, like, I was... I was Dealing with all those things during my mind while the fight was going on, but also dealing with like getting beat up as, as well. <laughs> those things were distracting me from the job at hand. Yeah. And then I think it was like round round nine or round eight. I just started to walk. I just said like, "Oh, we're clearly in the corner." Saying to myself, "No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this happen." And I just changed and never fought like never really did it before. But just put my hands up and walk forward and uh, just started taking these shots on the gloves and just trying to bully him and then eventually wore him down and yeah got him stopped in the last round and, but the fight was very close and I'm sure he thinks about it a lot and how different his life would have been and his career would have been had he could have just hung on that last round because he probably would have won mm. um, but that's boxing isn't it like yeah. it, it hangs like fights like the outcome of so much so much depends on the outcome of a fight it's not like any other sport you know and it's not just a sport, it's a livelihood. And if you win, you move on, you keep progressing. And who knows what it might lead to. But if you lose, it's a major, major setback. And it takes a big person to come back from a loss, especially a big loss like that on TV, you know, and it, when two young guys, one, he was undefeated at the time. I had lost to Brian Vera, and he beat Brian, Brian Vera in the next fight. So there was a lot on the line, you know what I mean? And I knew I had to. Like, had I lost that? I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be living in this house now. So who knows where I'd be, you know? Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's it's uh, everything's always in the balance in a, in a contest like that. Um, in terms of so obviously now you're you're training the guys, and I know you worked with Emmanuel Stewart obviously very closely. How much do you try and utilize? You you're very astute in terms of the way you talk, the way you understand the game, and 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 obviously communicate. You do a lot of media work as well. How much of training fighters is about the man management aspect, understanding them and what makes them tick, as opposed to just purely formulating game plans? Yeah, I think a lot of it is psychology. 
psychology and knowing what what motivates them, yeah, and how to inspire them and, and know let them know what's expected of them. And that I think that was one of man that was a minor strong point. What, what he didn't do, what he did obviously he was on the pads and what and his philosophy of boxing was obviously like hard to like he was so strong in every aspect aspect in terms of technical technical technique teaching pads and and training fights also as a cornerman you know guiding you through a fight sensing your opponent and reading your opponent during a fight telling you when to put the foot down or when to ease off and try to box conservatively but also he spent the time with him when he spoke to you like and how how he how he groomed you you know what what the mindset is and what he's how to impart his philosophy upon his fighters and the confidence he's given give his fighters like it was a, that was a huge part of his game and I take it I think it's hard to know because he was such an influence on my life how much of it you obviously absorb but I try to you know and I always remember especially like with Tyson Fury because mm. it was he wanted the crunk style and we were sugar hill always always thinking every day what would a man do now what would a man do in this situation how would he handle this how would he handle that and uh yeah he, he like he was definitely his presence was felt during that camp because i was always reminding myself about him uh, and what we used to do but even like but that's like i would say from when from my training style and my my philosophy would be from a manual size, but in terms of the technique and things I teach, a lot more now I think is from Adam Booth. In terms of what I learned from him later on in my career, mm. it really was the making of me, you know. Because I always had, I had like I had that crunk stuff. So I had it. I could always box, and I had like I, had, I always had the emphasis on the jab, which was a crunk thing. But I needed to add things, and Adam added those things. And without without Adams. Adam's influence, yeah, definitely. Still, again, you know, everything happens in life for a reason, and you end up where you are. But all those people along the way played a part, you know. Josh, what's the what's the kind of future for him? What's the next step in his career when all this madness is over? Joshua. Yeah. Uh, well, everybody knows that he's Pulev. Uh, but is that still likely to go ahead on the June the twentieth? Um, I would have thought so. I mean, I mean, there's been you know the news in uh, in Sky Sports. I think they're trying to kind of like postpone the fight to to July. You know, um, but it's something that those those sort of questions. You know, I never really kind of like ask them or when we go or you know they just like listen let me know they let me know and then we really go from there have you been in touch with josh because i imagine during this period there's kind of a little bit of extra pressure on him to be like a, a public face of boxing if you like i imagine there's still a lot of demands on him yeah, you know, I, I'm still in touch, you know, with, with everybody, all my fighters, you know, sometimes like voice notes or like a message here or just like a beautiful joke, which I did to him, they made the same joke than to you yeah, <laughs> with the pirates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't give it away because you're probably going to want to do it at some other point. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll keep in touch with everybody, you know, he's well, you know, his family's well, which is good. But unfortunately, you know, um, they lost Finchley, you know, like the main guy, you know, up there do 
to coronavirus, you know. So so people need to understand the seriousness of, of, of this matter, you know, because there is people still up there that kind of like thinking that this is this is not serious. So um yeah, they all keep him well and, and, and that's the main thing. That hit him quite hard, the the loss of the, the Finchley coach. Yeah, I mean he was he was a love man, you know, uh up there at Finchley, you know, a lot of people like the man. Um, and it's hard, you know, especially for those people kind of like close to him, you know, uh, losing your, your your loved ones, you know, due to this pandemic is 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 not a good thing to you know to to actually feel that close to you, you know. You never want you know that to happen to 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 anybody, but. Whew. are worth and um you know as long as the money's there the money's in the pot and it makes sense it's definitely going to happen i mean i just talked to al about the fight before we had uh, numerous discussions about it and uh you know he said the same thing you know when it makes sense it's going to happen so you know hopefully it can happen next year and um you know i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to fight chance Crawford. a lot of his fans and uh people from omaha and uh you know, just, you know, a lot of his fans saying that I'm ducking them. You know, that's not the case at all. I'd, I'd have FaceTimed Terrence Crawford before anyway. We'd have face, FaceTimed probably a couple months ago. You know, I talked about the fight and things like that. So, you know, definitely no ducking in in our situation at all. I'm not the type of guy that's going to duck anybody. So, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. Are you guys friends with or friendly with each other, Errol, or is this more of a mutual respect between two prize fighters that want to prove that they are the best in the world? Uh, it's more of a mutual respect. You know, I feel like, you know, Terrence Crawford, I feel like Terrence Crawford, you know, is really himself. You know, a lot of guys, I just, you know, I, feel, I really don't like them because I feel like they, they fake, you know, like I feel like Keith Thurman fake, so I, I couldn't. I couldn't even I couldn't call him and have a discussion with him because I feel like he's just a, a fake dude. And I feel like sometimes Sean Porter, you know, he just be talking out the side of his mouth, and um, you know, it's a lot of guys. But like guys like Pacquiao and guys like Terrence Crawford, you know, I just feel like you know they're real dudes. You know, Danny Garcia, I feel like you know he's a genuine guy too. I didn't talk to him before and things like that. So you know, I just feel like we just a mutual respect between between us two. Where would you see, uh, in terms of, you know, you're a student of the game, Errol. How do you see a fight like you and Crawford playing out? Could it be, you know, we, we hear about the classics in the 80s when everyone fought everybody. Do you think it could go back to those old school ways when we saw those guys in the 80s just battling against one another and, you know, topping each other and having these massive events? Yeah, I feel like that's a classic fight. I feel like, you know, that's a... That's a legacy defining fight. You know, I just feel like, you know, um like like they I think they had on YouTube uh Legendary Nights. Legendary Nights on YouTube when they do like a documentary of uh Hagler and Hearns or, you know, Ray Leonard and Hearns or Ray Leonard and Hagler and things like that. So and I feel like that's just a legendary fight, a fight that, you know, people talk about, you know, for a long time, you know, I just feel like, you know, in a lot of 
you know, young boxers and things like that would definitely, you know, watch that fight and remember that fight because I feel like we both had the skill set. We both had a talent. You know, we both had a will. But, you know, but at the same time, in the day, I feel like I watched Terrence Crawford. You think you'll watch him? Yeah, I feel like I'll I, I beat him. I'll punish him. You, are you looking, would you be looking for a stoppage then, Errol? Is that what you're, you're telling me, that you'd stop him? Uh, or would you rather beat him up for 12 rounds? Nah, definitely. If, if, if that guy, if the Russian dude, whoever he fought, could knock him down or to drop him, mm -hmm. you know, I'd definitely have a great chance of stopping him. I think Errol, he's been hurt by Gamboa, too, so I'd definitely have a great chance of stopping him. But I respect his skill set. He got, he got good skills, but... I think I definitely, I definitely stop him, especially how focused I am right now. Cause you know, usually even the Sean Porter fight, I was blowing up to like when Sean Porter and the Mike Garcia fight. The matter of fact, the Mike Garcia fight, the day of the weigh-ins, I had to sit in a sauna for like two hours. I didn't sweat really, and I had a sauna bag on and everything, and I didn't sweat to like probably an hour to being in the sauna, and I didn't sweat at all. Even the Sean Porter fight, like. I had blown up to like 190 or something like that. And then, you know, had to lose it all. And then, you know, killing myself to make weight, you know. Why was, was that, Errol? Why, why, why was it? I mean, were you, I mean, look, I know that your purses have got, gone up and stuff. I mean, is it that you're eating some, some really good steaks <laughs> and some fine dining? I mean, is that why? Oh, uh, just getting, just getting too comfortable, getting too comfortable, getting way too comfortable. Um, yeah, eating a lot, you know, like I, I think of Marvin Hagler one that said that, uh, you know, it's hard to get up, you know, when you, when you, when you're silk sheets, when you're, when you're yeah. sleeping in silk sheets <laughs> and, and, and it's hard to wake up before 5am in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, my car accident was a wake up, wake up call from God, you know, telling me to, you know, really, you know, focus and, you know, bite down and, you know, and, um, you know, refocus on what's going on, and um, I feel like I wasn't as focused as as I am now. Like it's kind of like from the old, from the Kell Brook fight or before that. Like how focused I am now. Like I'm really trying to put my all into it because I got a lot of stuff to prove people wrong. You know, it's a lot of things that people been saying, and you know, YouTube or he, is he still gonna be the same? Can he fight the same? You know, is his reflex still gonna be the same? So I still got a lot to prove that in the ring and to prove to other people that. You know, still the same Earl Spence. Do you feel like you've been unjustly criticized over the past few months from some of the media members and, and fans alike? I mean, because look, I mean, everyone, you know, not everyone is perfect. No one's perfect for that matter. You know, I sure as heck am not perfect. But do you feel like you've been unfairly criticized by by members of the media and fight fans? Um, some members of the media and um. You know about fight fans. You know, so, you know some people can be cruel. You know, you know, and say you know our type of stuff. You know, but um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I've been you know unfairly criticized because I mean when somebody gets into a car accident like like I got into, and you know, and the car flipped that many times and I get thrown out the car, and uh, you know, and you know everything that you know that I've been through in that car accident and stuff like that. You know, people gonna have thoughts. People have thoughts. People have opinions, and um, you know, on on my situation, and they want to see how how I'm gonna come back. So that's just added motivation. For me.
Hey, Fight fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking the icon right here and also hit the bell button so that you can get alerts every time we upload a new video. Senor Fernandez. Uh, do we do the interview in English or in Spanish? <laughs> we can try Spanish, but I don't think it lasts that long. I think, I think oh. we'll just stick with um, Buenos Dias and leave here that, to be honest, with the Spanish ones. How are you getting on with um, lockdown life? It's to know your family a lot better, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's good in terms of, like, you 24-7 with family, pretty much. But it's hard because... I'm normally kind of like, I am in the house pretty much like a whole day since like 6, 7 a.m. in the morning. And I probably don't get home till like, there is days of like half nine, 10 o'clock at night. So, but a bit crazy. Just try to be kind of like indoors, try to do something. <laughs> How's your wife finding it then? Like having you around so much? <laughs> and I, I try to keep the distance though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, social distancing from your spouse. <laughs> That's what I am in the garden now. <laughs> Are you keeping in contact with the boys while all this is going on? How are they kind of happening? Yeah, I'll keep in contact with them. You know, um, I mean, from next week, we're just trying to put a plan. So um, if they got kind of like a bag or anything, you know, available for, to them, I kind of like Skype them, you know, and um, see what they're doing, you know, send the runs over to them, what they have to do and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes they send me videos, which is good, but, but it's hard, you know, it, it really is hard, but you have to make the most of it. How many are you working with at the moment? You've obviously got O'Hara, Charles, yeah. and uh, and Josh. Okay, so they're all. Well, all and Sultan. Sultan. Yeah, I was going to say, is Sultan yeah. back home? Yes, Sultan is still in Kazakhstan because the flies and everything, you know, with yeah. this coronavirus is a bit crazy. How are they all coping with it from kind of a mental perspective? It must be driving them pretty crazy by this point. It's hard, you know, and just like also as well, kind of like keep the motivation, you know, um, when you're training by yourself, you haven't got anyone there next to you kind of like pushing you or do it this way, you know, or that way. Um, it's hard. But I mean, to be honest, you know, I mean, Charles just lost uh, his uh, grandmom, you know, so he just like kind of like anemically is picking up a bit more. Um, O'Hara again, he's just kind of like just been lying in sofa playing the PlayStation, you know, eating chocolate and all that stuff. Uh, but now he's just got back into a routine, you know. Um, and Sultan is a fit boy. Sultan is always pretty much doing any training, you know, runnings um, up in uh, in Kazakhstan. So they're, they're all somehow coping. Have you been in contact a lot with some of the your extended family back home? Obviously, Spain's not doing too well out of this, same as we're not. Yeah, I tend to kind of like, you know, just like, not Skype call, I think it's like an app that is called a house party, something house like party, that. Yeah. And we just kind of like, we all talk each other, you know, see how things, but up there is, it, it really is crazy. It's actually proper lockdown, you know. Um, if they see you on the street, just like, just doing like a walk for like a walk, uh, they'll stop you, they find you. You know, you're only allowed to go to the supermarket, you know, um, you're only allowed as well just come over the house. If you have a dog, only for like a man, um, amount of time, it's pretty, pretty crazy, pretty crazy up there. Let's talk about some of your fighters, starting with 
Josh, obviously, uh, sorry, starting with Charlie, in fact, because he's the most recent addition to the yeah. the team. How did that all come about that he moved over to your gym? Um, I think Charles, um, I think he, 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 something, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what actually happened because I don't like really to kind of like ask questions or anything like that, you know. By the time they contacted me, um, he wasn't with uh, with any coach, you know. Um, we've been kind of like training two or three sessions together just to see how, you know, things were going. Um, and then, you know, we I, I just like what, he had and, and and he liked what what I was doing to him, so um, you know fair play and and I'm really looking forward to, to 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 the future with him. What about Josh? What's the what's the kind of future for him? What's the next step in his career when all this madness is over? Joshua. Yeah. Uh, well, you, everybody knows that he's Pulev. Uh, but is that still likely to go ahead on the June the twentieth? Um, I would have thought so. I mean, I mean, there's been, you know, the news in uh, in Sky Sports. I think they're trying to kind of like postpone the fight to to July. You know, um, but it's something that those those sort of questions. You know, I never really kind of like ask them or when we go or you know they just like listen, let me know. They let me know, and then we really go from there. We talked to you before about kind of balancing your own boys with the work you do with Joshua, yeah. and you were saying it's very rare that they'll have fights around the same time. This massive delay caused by the coronavirus means a bottleneck yeah. is a lot more likely now. How yeah. are you kind of planning to manage that? Um, I've got uh, two coaches, you know, I've got Barry and I've got Will, you know, uh, so we're planning to kind of like get together, you know, just like build a team and, and, and make things about the team, you know, not make things about the individual. Um, and that's something that I've been telling the boys, you know, there is going to be times where am I going to have to go with this guy and then, you know, but that's where we all come as a team and I don't want kind of like any of the guys kind of like training with, with another coach and say, oh, but Angel does it this way or I do it that way. It's kind of like you have to kind of like take what I'm teaching you, you know, take what the other guy is teaching you and and, and trust, you know, the people in the team and, um, you know, it's something that we, we, we put in the table and they're all happy about. So, um, yeah, it, it will work well. I suppose if you've selected those people in the team initially, have a similar mindset to you if not entirely identical yes 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 i mean they 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 very kind of like hard workers you know they're willing to learn i'm willing to learn as well you know uh, i'm learning from will I'm, I'm learning from barry and they all kind of like they all bring their own style as well because it's not really kind of like making everybody doing exactly the same thing you know uh, it's just kind of like we have to adjust to to the fighters you know and, and made the most for it uh, made the best for them not not not, not for us really have you been in touch with Josh? Because I imagine during this period, there's kind of a little bit of extra pressure on him to be like a, a public face of boxing, if you like. I imagine there's still a lot of demands on him. Yeah, you know, I, I was still in touch, you know, with, with everybody, all my fighters, you know, sometimes like voice notes or like a message here or just like a beautiful joke, which I did to him, they made the same joke than to you yeah, <laughs> with the pirate. <laughs> yeah. Don't give it away because you're probably going to want to do it at some other point. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll keep in touch with everybody, you know, he's well, you know, his family is well, which is good. But unfortunately, you know, um, they lost Finchley, you know, like the main guy, you know, up there due to coronavirus, you know. So so people need to understand the seriousness of, of, of this matter, you know, because there is people still up there that are kind of like thinking that this is this is not serious. So, um, yeah, they all keep him well and, and, and that's the main thing. That hit him quite hard, the, the loss of the, the Finchley coach? 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was a love man, you know, uh, up there eventually, you know, a lot of people like the man. Um, and it's hard, you know, especially for those people kind of like close to him, you know, uh, losing your, your your loved ones, you know, due to this pandemic is, is, is not a good thing to, you know, to, to actually feel that close to you, you know. You never want, you know, that to happen to, to, to anybody, but... Phew. You've got O'Hara, of course, he's got the golden contract final. Is it yeah. kind of reassuring that one of your fighters has got a definite fight in the books? You haven't got a date, obviously, or a venue, but you know that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, O'Hara would definitely fight, you know, I mean, Joshua would definitely fight, and, 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 and Charles as well, you know, we was looking to, to put Charles um, in June as well, or like maybe May, you know, now I need to probably speak to, uh, to Dave Cobble just to see when he's going to fight, but the good thing is kind of like um, with O'Hara, he's got that kind of like final day, so he's just like, we have been already working pretty much um, since I start working with him, you know, in terms of like what we needed to do, uh, so it's pretty much like a follow-up of what we've been doing, um, and he's got, we know he's got that day, you know, he's just kind of like getting the actual day and then the plan together uh, with Charles he's still stepping up so uh, he will probably be doing like a four rounder um, and then with Josh and most likely he's probably going to be Pulev uh, O'Hara's obviously stopped both opponents in the Golden Contract tournament so far given your relationship still relatively new would you have liked him to have had more rounds perhaps? Um, not necessarily I mean he's kind of like Mainly, what I, I never kind of like went to him and said, "Listen, we're going, we're going to get a KO." You know, I always kind of like try to keep him um, cautious about uh, for it. And you can see that the man he's got some toughness on a uh, on him. And I think you know, O'Hara somehow took him uh, lightly. But then, kind of like after the fight, O'Hara did say that kind of like he was pretty quick to come kind of like from, from the previous fight into, into this fight. And, um, he was pretty kind of like overwhelmed in terms of like, um, mentally and, and physically, he wasn't really kind of like sharp. So, uh, now he had the rest, which is good. And, um, we'll, hopefully we'll have like a, like a good solid, solid camp, you know, and, uh, I look forward to it. Through your work with, uh, AJ, do you think there might be some opportunities for some of your other fighters to work alongside him to kind of get an idea of how someone at that level trains? Um, this is really kind of like something to Josh. I mean, I, I kind of like when I train Charles, I mean, O'Hara is not around. When I train O'Hara, Charles is not around. And when I train Joshua, none of the other guys are around. Uh, but yes, they can see each other, you know, at times. Like, I mean, you know, Josh saw Charles, you know, um, while he was training. Same thing with uh, with O'Hara. But they don't interfere with each other, you know. I mean, if one comes, pretty much the other one is finishing. Right. So they only tend to see that, you know, like 10, 15 or even 20 or 30 minutes. So I don't tend to train them, uh, like, all together at once. Do you find, though, that you're translating things from one side to the other? So things that you're doing around Joshua or his team, then bringing back to your own gym? Um, <clears throat> of course, you're always kind of like learning from everybody, you know. Um, I'm a person that I like to see kind of like the coaches that are doing well, you know, and uh, why they're doing so good. And, and just try to pick, you know, things here and, and there. But same thing with the older school. I watch a lot of the older school, you know, I'm kind of like reading a book at the moment. So you kind of like pick things from from, from everybody. It's not one way or or... or 
or, or this way it's always kind of like something new or not not really new but something that you can apply to a to that particular boxer you know so definitely 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 yes i learn from everybody regardless of their experience regardless of kind of like how many years they've been in boxing if they've been a professional or if they've been an amateur you know you, you got to kind of like everybody has got something to offer you kind of content with the size of your stable as it stands or is there room for any more what what's kind of the thinking there um i always said kind of like i, I never kind of like wanted more than than five person really um i've got one or maybe two more persons and 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 that the team just like would definitely be closed but then again maybe with with the other two coaches if they want to kind of like bring somebody else themselves you know and just kind of like be the main man you know for them Probably, but at the moment in my head, it's just like five people, especially kind of like where Joshua is at the moment. You know, is a stage where when he goes on camp, we have to pre, we have to be pre-focused on him. Same thing with O'Hara, you know, not so much with uh, with Charles, but he's been this twenty years old, you know, kid that he's been in the books for me for a very long time, and um, we try to bring him into the country. I mean, I'm not gonna say too much about him but hopefully <laughs> hopefully we'll be uh, with us pretty soon and uh, yeah you know I mean as I said you know always like four to five max and um, give our time to, to, to them you know You didn't have much time at Loughborough University before all this happened but so far how have you found the, the facilities and, and the um, set up there? I mean, <clears throat> it's amazing, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of like thankful. I can't thank enough, like Rich and and Joe for everything they, they've been doing for me. You know, I mean, the facilities are absolutely second to none up there. Uh, all the boys saw the facilities as well, um, and it kind of like what we can have as well. It's not just like boxing itself, you know. Is 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 what they can do on the outside and um, be around other athletes as well. See how other people are, what they're going through, you know, what they're training. So, so kind of like when we in camp, be up there. I think it's it's, it's a good thing rather than just kind of like have your your friends around and just be till two or three a.m. in the morning playing the PlayStation or something like that. Because boxing is a serious is a serious sport, and uh, keeping them in there, you know, it allows me to kind of like keep an eye on them so hopefully we will take the best out of them now you kind of split your time between excellent facilities at Loughborough excellent facilities in Sheffield you've come a long way in a short time I think it's fair to say you must be pretty happy with how it's gone um yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy how how things are going but you know it's one of these things Danny that a lot of people kind of like tend to see just just the good side of things you know they, they never saw kind of like what i came from because i absolutely came from nothing and i'm telling you when i come from nothing is i came from nothing i've been doing my groundwork you know like with the likes of danny Connor. you know i used to drive two hours to 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 east london for for nothing for nothing i mean my personal training was allowing me to pay for the petrol and, and pay the bills just to me to keep doing boxing, you know. Um, I've been with um, Marcus Williams as well. I've been training him for like well over a year with, with, with no fights, you know, for some reason or for political reasons. Um, and I had a lot of people like that as well, like Isaac Chamberlain, you know, hasn't been fighting for um, for over a year, you know. But I was training these guys day in, day out, you know, giving my time to them for, 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 for you know. I, I've been sucked pretty much 
in, in a boxing gym in, in, in London, then I went to another one. You know, I, I made a camp for this guy and he comes fight night and, and someone goes, oh, no, I'm jumping in the corner. It's a main man. I'm like, so I've been training this guy for all his camp and now you do that to me. But So that's, that's things that kind of like makes me the person who I am today. You know, and uh, listen, I'm, I'm I'm thankful, you know, because I can't hate them, you know. Um, I'm thankful for them for giving me the opportunity and, and to actually kind of like see other things of, you know, of, of boxing. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to me, you know. Yeah, well, I would think so, like you said, and especially the boxers as well, because a lot of them scrabbled around, often having to pay for their own purse or pay for the purse of their opponent, even get on bills. So I'm sure they can appreciate the kind of hard work you've put in to get to where you are. 100%, you know, we, we all we all got dreams, you know, I've got my own dreams, um, but I try to make them about them, you know, it's something that I always said, I want to make legacy in this game, you know, and, and I'm willing to make legacy, but no legacy just for my own ego, to feed my own ego, it's just kind of like, I want to see other people, you know, other people that kind of like came from nothing and see, I saw that man, but not just me, you know, other coaches and other boxers and they, and they go, you know what, if this man did it, I, I want to do as well. And and that's what legacy is about, you know, it's kind of like inspire the young generation, you know, and, and other people that kind of like come from nothing, you know, and they don't have anything or they don't have hopes and, and, and see these people doing well and they go, you know what, I'm, I'm actually going to do the same or do something for my life, you know, either boxing, football, basketball, handball, regardless, anything, anything. So that's excellent. Well, I think that's a, a good point on which to end. A nice positive point in these scary times, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> Poof, it, it is pretty scary, you know. But listen, uh, I think this thing is making a lot of people realise, you know, um, how kind of like thankful you have to be for life, you know, and for the people that you have surround you. And, and, and yeah, you've got to keep, keep positive, you know, and to, to everybody, you know, you've got to keep positive. I know it's not sometimes, you know, life throws you kind of like in the middle of the kind of like lines, but you somehow have to, you know, come out of it and, and say, you know what, listen, I appreciate all these things and, and, and you've got to be thankful for where we are now. Yeah, well, let's do this again soon in person. A hundred percent. I love Loughborough <laughs> University. It's a lovely campus. So I'm happy. Come to anytime, Danny, anytime up there. Well, except when you're in Sheffield, because then I'll just be there. <laughs> well, it's only 40 minutes away, so... <laughs> I suppose, yeah, I could do both on the same day. All right, well, I really appreciate it, and we'll speak soon. Take no care, Danny. Carrots. All the best. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, mate. Take care, mate. All the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You say? How you doing, mate? You all good? Yeah, you're good, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm all good, man. I'm all good. How's how's life in lockdown? Yeah, it's boring, boring. But you know, I'm trying to do as best as I can. You know, in the hard times, social distancing and whatnot. But it's, it's still got to get the work in. Know what I mean? Talking about that, obviously, you've had you know, you 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 was obviously on the verge of going to the Olympic qual. Not going to the Olympic qualifiers. You was there. <laughs> 
And then I think it was the day before, obviously everything got pulled from mm-hmm. yourself from being able to box and qualify for what would have been this year. Just talk about the whole mm-hmm. experience. What did you know of everything that was going on? It was a bit of a madness. When, when we got there, obviously we knew of the virus and that. But we thought, okay, if the tournament's going ahead, it's just going to be one of them things that uh, we're here. And then uh, a few days, the boxing continued. Um, they put the boxing behind closed doors and we thought, all right, that's it. No, no fans, just the boxers here. I'm going to try and get out of the way. Then uh, I was sharpening up on the pads because the next day I was fighting. The next thing you know, the pool just fall over and said, listen, we had to pull the plug. And it was a why what's happened? They said um, some of the governments from different countries are pulling them back because they're closing the borders. So if you couldn't do nothing, then it was over our heads. It was a bit annoying because I was fighting the next day. I was ready to go get my Olympic spot. I'd been going to the Olympics this summer. That's one of those things. you just got to keep people safe and just get on to the next thing. Before, obviously, everything got pulled, did you have any assurances or what discussions did you have with the GB committee and what have you about where you all stood prior to your mm-hmm. own fights in the qualifiers? It was like, it was one of those things where, like, they kind of told us, like, the procedures of what's happening and so on, but they never thought we'd get to this point where everything would be locked down. We thought as soon as we get there, that's it. It's just going to be all all go ahead, really, get the green line, just go. A few of the lads qualified and <laughs> fought and so on. And there's other kids like me, Chev, and Fraser Clark and people like that who didn't even get the chance to even get in there. So it was a bit of a weird one. No, I mean, you've got some kids on the squad uh, qualified and kids who haven't even fought yet. It's a weird one. I mean, obviously, you just mentioned there, obviously, you know, Glauia Foyes, he, he qualified. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned Fraser Clark, who he didn't even have, have the chance to. Fraser's missed out yeah. on the last couple of Olympics because of yeah, Joe yeah. Joyce and AJ. Mm-hmm. When you look at those guys who are a bit more experienced, been on there for a bit longer and, you know, they're heading into their late 20s, what are your thoughts with regards to them? Um, well, like you said, the phrase is his his dream. Obviously, is to go to the Olympics. He's been on the squad so long and just missed out just by the smallest margin. So, I know for a fact he's got it. He's got the ball in his court now. So it's up to him what he wants to do. But I think he's worked this hard and this long. He'll want to do it. Me, I'm only 22 at the moment. So, and I've worked this hard. I've got myself into the position of being like number one in Europe. And that there's no point turning over here. I think it's the best. we're all on the squad to go to the um, Tokyo. 2020 or 2021, whatever it's going to be called. We've just got to get on with it now. Obviously, questions are open as well, guys. If you've got any questions for Ben, then fire them over. I've got one already, Ben. Obviously, mm. with the Olympics being delayed, has it made you reconsider whether you want to turn over professional earlier than what you thought? Obviously, we're talking about putting him to next year now. Yeah, it's one of those things that I wanted to just do the four-year cycle and then turn over. But then things like um, Birmingham 2022 came up. So you never know, I could have stayed for that. But it is a bit of a nuisance. I just wanted to, you know, be an Olympian, get that over with, and then the pro thing could come. But I know people would probably want to, like, jump on me now because it's the perfect time. But I've worked that hard. It's only a few more months to me, really. <laughs> Somebody else has asked, how many shoes you got, Ben? We can see you were stacking the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are just the light shoes, you know what I mean? The other room's the madness. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just one of those things. Like, it's a proper nuisance. We've worked. The training camp was hard, man. We went to Kazakhstan. Um, at a multi-nation camp, had people coming over and sparring us. We thought, all right, then we're in fight fit. We're ready to go. Everybody's fighting this that. 
I'm like, all right, my dad's gonna come down and watch me this time. Yeah. Next thing it was cancelled. Was like, <laughs> difficult. What would that have been like? Obviously, I know your your parents wouldn't have had the chance to to watch you because you guys you travel all around the world, but you don't really get the chance to fight in the UK. Yeah, How would yeah, that yeah. have meant to you for you for your dad to actually see you That's box it. live for GB? That's it. You know my dad personally. He's proper proud of me and so on. So. He never gets to watch me fight. I'm always in rushes and places like that where it's just pointless travelling. Um, I had a proper firm coming down, my uncle, my cousins, my brother, everybody you can think of. And then when he got the, um, put behind closed doors, I said, oh, my days. This kid I'm fighting tomorrow, I'm going to smoke him differently just for this. And then next thing you know, they've cancelled the whole thing. I thought, oh, my days, this is ridiculous. But it's just one of those things. Somebody else has asked, what, what can they do to improve their own power shots? Power shots? Um, well, as of now, just try and do your own body weight stuff. A lot of press-ups. If you've got a bag or anything, work on just foot placement and swinging on shots in. How have you been keeping busy then, Ben? Like, with regards to your training, I can imagine you haven't really got... There's not really much you can do. You had a little workout in your back garden, but what, can right. you do? what have you been doing? Come on, like some jail workouts, man. No, I mean, but, uh, <laughs> but my brother, like, um, luckily enough, he only lives down the road. So uh, when I can, I've been going to his house because he's got like a little home gym. He's got like a bag there, sled, ropes, everything you can think of. So yeah. I've been a bit, I've been a bit fortunate there. But now, now we've gone into like serious lockdown and so on. I'm at my own house now. I've been doing uh, just the typical stuff, really, long distance runs, hill sprints when I can weighted shadow boxing just to try and make my shoulders work and then obviously the press-ups sit-ups and pull-ups you know what i mean just basic stuff but if you do enough of them enough reps it can be a good workout i know as well look, your brother's is he in the navy is it uh yeah he's a marine and then he boxes the navy team so yeah. Yeah. we've been going to the reeking you know and i mean running up the mountains running like a psychopath and i was dying but it's all good it's all in the bank for when the boxing just comments yeah. What's that lot? Let's obviously have your brother back as well and helping you out. Knowing that he's obviously traveling around, you know, yeah. the country and having him back, helping helping you out and being with the yeah, family. It's good, man. It's good. Like it's a bit of a weird one. I, I shouldn't really say this, but I kind of like the lockdown because I never get to see my family. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of like it's just one of those things. I don't get to see my family, but I'm here now. I'm just chilling at home, playing my PlayStation, training when I want to train, eating when I want to eat with the people I love. So. It's kind of good because I know when training picks up again, I wish I could have had a time like this. So to me, it's all right. Let's talk about that, Ben. You just mentioned your PlayStation, man. I heard, I've seen your interview trying to give him a big one about what happened when me and you played FIFA. Look at you. You know you're getting embarrassed now. <laughs> you know right. Hey, now you beat me. You beat me. But Not you know, only did I, I beat you, yeah. I'll give you more than just the smoke. Hey, no, what happened? I just went through my Snapchat as well yesterday, I think it was. If you look at the uh, memories, it yeah. was two years or something ago today as well. It happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, not in one, bro. <laughs> no, it's just one of those things. I'm not a footballer myself. <laughs> <laughs> Another question that's just coming. Obviously, you know, everyone knows well, you're training up at GB in Sheffield mm -hmm. at the English Institute. What's it like having the likes of, you know, the Bawatis, the Akolis, mm -hmm. the AJs all coming through? What's it been uh, like working with them? Yes, yeah, good. Like, I remember my first first ever GB camp. Usually you go up there and you get greeted by the coaches and then you get you get like your bags and your boots and then they say, all right, then come down five o'clock, 
for like a, a warming in session. I got there with a bald head and I was skinny 75 kilo. And I went, um, we don't have no sparring partners. Whitaker, can you come over here? And I went, yeah, what's up? They went, um, do you mind sparring Boatsy? I was like, truthfully, I didn't really follow the like, great British boxing team. I didn't really know who he was that much. And I said, can you spar? I said, yeah, man, no worries. I said, can I go back up to the flat and get my uh, boxing boots? I went, oh, no, he needs to shoot off. And I said, do you mind jumping in now? I had running shoes on, these these batty rider shorts, this tight top, just got in there, sparred with him. He liked me ever since then. And ever since then, we was working towards the Olympics for him then. So it was good to see. And then you've got the Acolis and so on like that. And then you see they've come from where I'm coming from now. And look what they're doing in the pro game. So it's kind of good to see that they're on the same path as me. Even the Anthony Joshua's, he came through the yeah, same right. sisters as me, done his years there, and he's obviously doing well. Obviously, you mentioned AJ there. What a lot of people won't know, obviously I know because I know you personally, is your godfather, Joby. Yeah, he's worked with you since you was a kid, and obviously you used yeah. to yeah, your salsa dancing. Was he salsa dancing? <laughs> uh, I used to do like brain dancing, ballroom, everything you can ballroom, do. Ballroom, like yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you used to do your dancing when you was growing up which for what who who's watching now who don't know much about you your footwork is one of the best things about you your 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 footwork is sensational and i remember you know your godfather joby's joined up with the aj team for that ruiz rematch out in saudi arabia in december last year how did that all come about how did your aj come to you how did it all kind of come to fruition well, like, uh, um, be on the Team GB squad, and like you said, my style's completely different to anybody. There's there's a lot of come-forward fighters, a lot of upright boxers, back footballers, but my, especially in amateur boxing, it's it's kind of looked down upon, really, because I'm flashy, I'm sh I showboat, I do stuff like that, and when I spar, I can't help but do that, do you know what I mean? So, um, I remember Joshua watched one of my spars, and he, he pulled me off and goes, yo, your footwork's nice. I said, come on now, man. I ain't got no lead in my feet. You know what I mean? And then we was laughing back and forth. And he goes, where are you from? I said, Wolverhampton. Then he followed me on Instagram. And yo, ever since <laughs> then, you know. <laughs> he followed me on Instagram. And he, was going through, he must have been going through my videos while I was posting and so on. And um, he's, he pulled me across when he seen me the next time in the gym. and said, I, li I like your coach, man. Is he from your way as well? I said, yeah, so on. Then them two must have messaged each other. We was always talking about what does what sessions does Joby do when he go home? I said, Joby doesn't really do, just like kill me on the pad. He always work on things, and he kind of liked that. And obviously with the Ruiz loss, he thought, why not try it now? I know I mean it's the perfect time to try it. Yeah. Brought brought Job message Joby on Instagram. Brought him down to Finchley. They did a little session just to see if they would work together because Instagram and real life is completely different. Do you know what I mean? And then apparently the love, it was going on for like two, three hours. Brought each other back week and week in. And now he's part of the full team now, so it's worked out perfect for him. Well, I've got more things on that, which I'll touch on in a bit, but we had, we've got a couple more questions in here. Yeah. What's the main thing that you feel you've improved on yourself during your time with GB? Um, for me, it was... Everybody used to tell me how good I was, but I didn't know how good I was. And um, when I first got into the sport, that kind of threw me into these hard tournaments and kind of like it was a lot of weight on my shoulders because they knew I was a good kid but I was only 18 fighting 26 year olds 30 year olds and it was a lot to handle after the after that I've kind of knew how to control things that's the main thing I used to, I used to just run everywhere 
get points taken off a hole within it. But, uh, if you watch me now, I'm a lot more comfortable and confident in my ability, and I control the fights how I want to control them. And then, other other than yourself, who would you say is the one to watch from the current Team G Team GB team? Um, you obviously got Pat McCormack, Peter McGrail, and my boy Solomon Day, because a uh, super heavyweight from Birmingham. Oh man, oh, obviously being money. Oh man, <laughs> that's obviously something as well. You got the Commonwealth Games, which are due to be held in Birmingham in twenty twenty two. Was that yeah, something yeah. that you did consider staying on for? Because I know when we spoke, you said after the Olympics you wanted to turn pro. Mm -hmm. Was there any temptation to fight in Birmingham at the Commonwealth Games? Obviously, only down the road from Wolverhampton. Yeah, exactly, hundred percent. It was like uh, it was one of those things. To me, the Olympics is the pinnacle of amateur boxing, and when you go there, and if you do well, what's the need to go to anywhere else? Because you could go to the Olympics, get a medal, go to the Commonwealth, and something silly happens, and then you go from there to there. But to be on my doorstep with that type of atmosphere would be great. You know what I mean? Not not all the armchair boxing fans would know you. People who just see you around would know you. So it's kind of a it's, it's a good thing. And now that the Olympics has been pushed back to 2021, it's kind of in the back of my head now. It's kind of, I can see it's worthwhile, but you never know what can happen. I'm just going to take each day as it comes, you know what I mean? Yeah, granted for it now. When the kind of... The discussions begin with the promoters, the managers, and what have you. The, you know, potential future trainers. When yeah. do they all begin? From now until when you do turn over. When when will you start to? Have you already had some discussions with people? Yeah, I think it does start now. No, I mean you've got to get it all in place now because you need to know what everyone's thinking, what their minds are, where my my minds are, and what do I want from them, and what do they want from me. No, I mean, because uh, if you kind of just do it at the last minute, you've not got your options open. I'd rather talk to everybody, see what type of deals they are offering and so on. But not only that, if they're offering good deals now, imagine when I get a gold medal or something from the Olympics, it can double or triple then, no, I mean, so that's what I want to do. Obviously, we mentioned AJ earlier on. He's got his own management stable, obviously, Josh Boazzi, Lawrence Coley underneath that, as well as Solomon Sissoko. Any interest there from, from AJ to take you on as well? Oh, yeah. No, I mean... Oh, yeah. It froze a little bit there. Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of people. Obviously, AJ being close to home down at GB. Not only being close to home, but it's my godfather now. So it is kind of one of those things. But I'd never just jump on it because it's AJ or because it's Joe. I'll do what's right for me. You never know. That could not be right for me or it could be perfect for me. I never know. But I won't know till I get there and sit down and talk to them. And that's what I need to do. You still got AJ sorting you out some ringside tickets for his fight, sir. Hey, you know, you know you <laughs> <laughs> Another question just come in. Uh, ben, how good is Julio La Cruz and how well do you think he would do if he turned professional? Yeah, he's a class boxer, class boxer. I remember, um, what was it, the 2011 World Championship. My dad used to make me sit down and watch him and Lamachenko and so on. And I thought, this is boring, man. Nobody wants to watch this point scoring, tippy tappy rubbish. I hated it. I'd rather go upstairs, play my PlayStation, stuff like that. But then when I started getting into the sport, knowing about the sport, if you can see my style, I kind of modelled myself off him. I think he's a great boxer. If you watch him, the kid I fought, um, the Ukraine kid, he's a beast. But look how the crews dealt with him and handled yeah. him and played with him. But he obviously is a bit suspect on the chin. I've seen him knocked out a few times and wobbled a few times. And imagine those in little gloves. It could be a completely different story, but you never know till you try.